This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Uh, It's going to take a minute for me to get used to. Um, I am, for those of you who are just listening, I put my seat down, uh, on audio, I'm also doing video, which I haven't done, we haven't done in months. So this is, um, I don't like being on video at all, (laughs) but I think we are missing out on people who like to watch a Um, podcast rather than just listen to it. So while I am doing or attempting to do this one by myself, we'll see if this actually um, makes it out. Um, Yeah, I figured I'll try and do video. And if it's absolutely awful, then if you're hearing this and it's awful, then it's not published. (laughs) I guess that's kind of the beauty of having... um, kind of complete control over this. Anyways, I'm going to try to be not awkward and not mess with my hair or worry about how I'm looking. I guess I can't because I'm actually going to record or try and record a an actual episode by myself, not crying into the microphone about my recent breakup. If you have um, missed those previous two episodes, then... Uh, there's Indiana. That, that's going to be the problem with this is, um, what, what? Oh, come here. You want to say hi? Oh, hello. There you go. Say hi. Yeah. She's going to be a nightmare during this, but I'm going to try. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Where am I going? Oh, um, yeah, if you if you have been listening to the, the past two weeks, I haven't put out a new true crime. Um, I apologize. I have been uh, going through the worst heartache that I have ever gone through. Um, and I am not handling it well. <laughs> I have chosen to pick up the microphone and talk into the abyss or talk to whoever's listening, I guess, um, for the past two weeks. And it helped. It really helped. It made me feel a lot better. I feel like it's helping me process. Um, I also heard from Mark who listened to a little bit of the first one and he has requested that I take them down. Um, And I am very, very torn about that. So if you don't see episodes about a breakup anymore, then I guess I took them down. And if you do, then I still am undecided because um, he feels like they're too private and too um, personal and people, you know, we both have people, colleagues, family, friends that listen and, and he, he's a much more private person than I am as most people are. (laughs) Um, 
So I, out of respect for him, which I have still a great deal of, uh, I, I, I may take them down until this is not so fresh. Um, and until we see what happens. And I say that because I am still very hopeful that, um, I'm still very hopeful that we will figure this out and with some space and work, we will be back together. Okay. It is so much easier to sit down and not have a camera on and do this and also to just kind of do it without knowing if I'm going to publish it or not, which I guess I, I still don't have to publish this. I still might not. But, um, you know, the past two episodes just where I just kind of released all of my innermost thoughts and feelings uh, were really easy to do. I mean, emotionally um, treacherous and just awful, fucking terrible. But I just talked and I didn't um, I didn't really think beyond just spewing my feelings out. So it was easier than this. This I'm trying now. Now I'm trying to be um, cautious about what I'm saying and not say too much about the breakup. A, because I don't want to just, this is not a breakup podcast um, or a relationship podcast. And I don't want to turn away all of our very lovely and loyal listeners who are here for the true crime. And, um, and I don't want to, um, second, secondary to that, I, I want to begrudgingly take Mark's feelings into consideration. I say begrudgingly only because, uh, because part of me feels like he, um, he dumped me. And I am trying to get through this the best way I can. I did not want to be dumped. I do not want to be broken up. I did not want him to move out. Um, I, I, I wish we could have found a different way um, than, than something so drastic. And I didn't really have a choice in that. So now I feel like how I process this is my choice. Um, and I am not the same as Mark. I'm, you know, I guess most people, a lot of people kind of, turn inward and self-reflect and, and keep that to themselves. And, and I have this, this platform that, um, I don't know, I just, it just felt right to, to, to put out those episodes and obviously to be continuing to talk about it now. Um, and, and it is helping me. So on that hand, I want to, and I've, and I've gotten such kind, um, supportive, encouraging words and advice and thoughts and just just really an outpouring of kindness. Um, so for everyone who has who has reached out, thank you. And even if you haven't reached out, but you've just been silently listening and putting up with my um, emotional roller coaster, thank you to you as well. <laughs> um, and then the other part of me, still really uh, hopes that this is fixable, amendable, and and I have to believe that this is not the end for us. Um, And so in that regard, I don't want to do anything that's going to 
derail that or make that harder or push Mark away or, or, or disrespect him. I, I would never want to do that. Um, so there's just completely an unfiltered view into where my head's at right now. Um, and I'm undecided, so we'll see. If anyone has any brilliant advice or thoughts, please send them my way. Um, and I thought that rather than continuing on with the breakup stuff, since I don't know if I will keep that up or, or kind of what's going to happen with it, I thought I would attempt to do a little true crime by myself. And we will see how this goes. Um, Jenna is not as far as I'm, it's as far as I know, as far as us speaking the other day, Jenna's not like gone. She's not off the podcast. It's it. She, we will be back doing this. It has just been, um, a, a difficult and emotional time. And, and I think I said this on one of the previous breakup things that because Mark is a is her husband's best friend, is her very good friend, has been close with all of us and is essentially family for like 15 years now. Um, it complicates things and it makes it tough to, uh, tough to navigate. And I don't want her to be put in any kind of um, more difficult of a position than she's already in with all this. So um, I I am just going to attempt to do this by myself for a very brief um, interim right now while the rest of this kind of where they where where the chips fall where they may I guess. Um, Sorry I feel like I'm not speaking as well because I'm so hyper aware of this camera in my face which is maybe a sign that I'm not ready to be on camera yet. I mean, podcast has only been out for a year, so you'd think by now I would be comfortable with it, but um, I'm not quite so, but I'm going to keep going because fuck it, why not? So I'm going to jump into, so this is, I say that like a little true crime because this is not a news story. This is um, an update on a story that we did months and months ago. I actually do not have the date in front of me. I, I think it was in June, around June that we did this one. Um, Because it was right after it happened. So this was the story of Mariah Wilson, the murder of Mariah Wilson, um, who was a professional cyclist. um, And she was murdered in Austin, Texas in May of 2022. So just last year. Uh, And the way I described this back at the time was a love triangle story gone wrong, filled with passion, jealousy, an international manhunt, a little bit of stalking, and ultimately a murder. So I'm going to just take us back through the original story a little bit because it's been a while and even I didn't remember all of the details. So I'm going to kind of recap that and then I will give you the updates. If you totally remember this story, then you might want to fast forward. Um, This will be repetitive for you. But for for anyone who hasn't heard this one, our new listeners or anybody who who doesn't have, you know, a, a memory that remembers a murder story from months ago, then this recap will be helpful. So 
Uh, Mariah was on a real roll with her cycling career. She had won nearly 10 races between 2021 and 2022. Um, and one of the most recent races races that she won was the 137 mile Belgian waffle ride in San Diego. And she won that by a whopping 25 minutes over the person who took second place, which was a huge, huge win for her. Uh, it was also unfortunately her last race that she would ever compete in. Um, and so after that race, she was in Austin for another race. Um, she was staying with a good friend of hers named Caitlin Cash. And she was there for a race, but she was also catching up with other friends in the cycling community who were also in town for the race. And if you remember, there was one person in particular that she connected with, and that was Colin Strickland. He was also a fellow uh, psych professional cyclist. Um, they had had a brief kind of romantic interlude at some point, but it was it, it didn't last long. It ended easily, no problems, and they remained friendly afterwards. Um, so on the afternoon of May 11th, it was Mariah's second night in Austin. Uh, she texted Caitlin Cash, the friend that she was staying with at her house, that she was going to go swimming with Colin. And they did go swimming. They went to a place called Deep Eddy Public Pools. And then they went for burgers at a place called Pool Burger. Lots of pool themes. And um, this is this was also confirmed by security footage. So at 8.16, security footage shows that Mariah and Colin were leaving Poolburger on his motorcycle and that Colin dropped her off back at her friend Caitlin's house around 8.36 p.m. that night. He didn't go inside and he he didn't notice, he later said to police that he didn't notice anything was amiss when he dropped her off. Later that evening, Caitlin Cash arrived home and found Mariah laying in a pool of blood. She was unconscious and she had multiple bullet wounds. So Caitlin called 911. Officers arrived at 9.56 p.m. and Mariah was pronounced dead on the scene at 10.10 p.m. Um, the investigation that, that followed this, you know, of course, initially led in a bunch of different directions, but... First and foremost, police are going to start with A, people close to Mariah, and B, people, the last people who saw her alive, which was Colin. So authorities did search Colin's house. They found two 9mm handguns, um, which Colin told the detectives that he had bought uh, earlier that year in December and January. One was a Springfield Armory for himself, and then he bought a Sig Sauer for his girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong. So now this is the second Caitlin. If you did listen to this story, I really tried to emphasize in the original telling of it that, like, there's two Caitlins. That can get confusing. Caitlin Cash is Mariah's friend who she was staying with. Her name is spelled with a C. And Caitlin Armstrong, her name is spelled with a K, and that is um, Colin's girlfriend at the time that this happened. Uh, they also found at Colin and Caitlin's house a 2012 Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee with a very elaborate bike rack, which is the exact vehicle that was captured on one of the neighbor's surveillance cameras, um, shown arriving and briefly stopping in front of Caitlin Cash's home around 8.37 p.m. that night that Mariah was out with Colin and got dropped off. 
the car wasn't Collins, though, is what police determined. The car, that Jeep Grand Cherokee seen on the security footage of a neighbor's house, was actually Caitlin Armstrong's, his girlfriend. Uh, Caitlin, if you recall, and I guess I don't need to keep saying if you recall, um, because if you did, I wouldn't be saying all this, but uh, Caitlin was also uh, previously a competitive cycler. Um, She occasionally participated in cycling events with Colin, but she mostly worked as a yoga teacher. And despite um, Colin and Caitlin having a brief split in the fall of 2021, the two of them had been in a long-term romantic relationship for several years at this point. Um, they also weren't just involved in a romantic relationship. They were also business partners and in a business relationship, they were working to start a company. Well, they started a company called Wheelhouse Mobile. And the goal of that was to design and build vintage, uh, trailers. Um, but if you recall that I said five minutes ago, which I'm sure you do recall, (laughs) um, Colin wasn't really a one-woman kind of man, at least when it came to Mariah, because it was later determined that he had engaged in that romantic kind of tryst with Mariah, brief as it was, but he was still dating Caitlin while that happened. Um, So the police had an initial theory, and their initial theory was that Caitlin found out about this romantic affair between them and killed Mariah um, in a fit of kind of jealous rage. Um, Police believed that Caitlin may have located the fact that Colin and Mariah were together using a cycling app that I guess everybody in this kind of cycling community used. It was called Strava. And when, you know, when your location is enabled, Anybody else on the app can kind of see where you are. I kind of equate it to like Snapchat. If you have your location on, any of your Snapchat friends can see where you are, which is super creepy. Or I guess like find my friends. Um, all all things that I am super not interested in and against and would never do. <laughs> Unless maybe I had kids. I could understand doing it if you have like teenagers or something like that. Um, so... That They thought that maybe that's how Caitlin kind of tracked them down and found that they were together swimming. Obviously, Colin hadn't told Caitlin that he was going out with Mariah, who I believe, if I recall correctly, Caitlin had kind of caught in wind of this potential affair that he had had, but it was never confirmed. They never broke up over it. Um, but she was suspicious, so... He didn't tell her that he was going out with Mariah, which is a problem right there. I mean, I am clearly at the moment not the um, poster child for good relationships, but if I was going out with someone who I had a previous romantic kind of entanglement or engagement with, um, I would definitely tell Mark or discuss it with him before going. And I would never just go and not say anything. That just feels like you're hiding something, which I think is what Colin was doing. Police wanted to bring Caitlin in for questioning, but there really wasn't quite enough for them to do that until they realized that she 
was wanted on a misdemeanor charge unrelated to Mariah's murder. She had a warrant out from a previous incident where she apparently didn't pay for a $650 Botox session. So this allowed police to bring her into the station for questioning. Um, They confronted her with video evidence of her vehicle on that neighbor's um, surveillance or, or, um, you know, I think it was a ring camera out front. Um, And she had no explanation, though. She did not make any denials, but she also couldn't explain it. She basically kind of stayed silent. Um, And so they thought, okay, we've got her. But this is where Caitlin got real lucky. Uh, Someone had made a mistake and her date of birth in the um, police department's report management system did not match the date of the date of birth on the warrant. And that was an error. But apparently an error like that allows you to just walk out. And that is what she did. She walked out of the police station. She was allowed to leave. She immediately sold her car, erased her social media profiles, and and took off to visit her sister in New York, and then continued on to Costa Rica, where she had uh, she cut her hair and dyed it. She had plastic surgery to change her appearance, um, and she was hiding out in I want to say it was Santa Teresa Beach, I think, in Costa Rica, kind of at a yoga um, type retreat. Uh, However, investigators received a tip about that she was in Costa Rica and they headed down there to try and find her. It was difficult because she had been using several different names, um, Beth Martin, Liz, Ari Martin. So she had not been going by Caitlin Armstrong the whole time that she was kind of evading police New York and then Costa Rica and she continued to evade authorities until June 29th so remember Mariah was killed on May 11th Um, Caitlin was brought in not long after that for questioning and then quickly took off and she was in the wind until June 29th 2022 um, after a full international manhunt when she was captured and her trial was supposed to start as early as late October Uh, but it kind of got pushed back because there was all kinds of different motions about evidence being suppressed. Um, And so the trial got pushed back until October 30th, I believe. Um, And this, I just found, like, this is, what's the thing that a... um, A leopard doesn't change his spots. And that kind of, I think that's what popped into my brain when I was researching this and and finding these updates that three weeks before the trial began on October 11th, Caitlin tried to escape custody. She she ran away from officers who were escorting her to a doctor's appointment, um, but she only ended up making it about half a block and they were able to catch her. and that brought on an additional charge. She was charged with um, escape causing bodily injury, <laughs> escape causing bodily injury, um, which was a felony uh, for this October 11th incident. Um, that could bring up to 20 years in prison if she's convicted of that. Um, but the murder could bring up to 99 years in prison. So clearly that's the one that she's um, 
more concerned about, I'm assuming, or was more concerned about. So her trial began on October 30th. Um, prosecutors told the jury all the details, you know, about the guns at, at Colin's house, about um, the Strava app that maybe she was tracking Colin and Mariah with, about the Jeep that had been seen near Caitlin Cash's house. Um, and Armstrong's attorney, Caitlin's attorney, countered by saying that there were no witnesses to the killing or video evidence putting her at the scene. The car, sure, but you couldn't tell who was driving it. So it wasn't definitive that it was her. Um, there was a lot of people who testified and it was, it was, these testimonies were interesting. So Caitlin Cash, Mariah's friend, where the house where Mariah was killed, testified the first week of the trial. She was um, incredibly emotional. She recounted to the jury um, how awful it was to get back to her apartment and find her good friend covered in blood, lying in a pool of blood. Um, the jurors also replayed the 911 call um, that involved Caitlin Cash calling 911 to try as she was trying to revive her friend. Uh, the Travis County prosecutor, Rick Jones, said... Um, during his opening statements and while questioning Caitlin Cash, he said the last thing Mo, because that's what her nickname was, Mo, the last thing Mo did on this earth was scream in terror. Those screams are followed by pow, pow. Um, and he clapped his hands really loud and he said, and, and then seconds later, Armstrong shot Wilson, Mariah, a third time. And those screams were captured on surveillance video. Um, I, I'm guessing from one of the neighbor's houses, that's unclear, but that was also played for the jury. Colin Strickland also testified on Friday and Monday um, where he apparently dropped an F-bomb on the witness stand. Um, he appeared pretty uncooperative uh, during the defense team's cross-examination. He told jurors that his relationship with Mar with Caitlin started um, by a dating app in 2019. And he claimed that they dated other people when they were broke up. They It was on again, off again for two years, apparently, according to him, of course. Um, and that while, while they had these kind of brief breakups, they both dated other people. That to me, that fine, that's believable by itself. But then what he, what comes out next makes it less believable that it was like, that they were both okay. They were dating other people. Um, apparently, Caitlin had access to all of uh, Colin's kind of communications, his email, his Instagram, his finances, his passwords. They they shared everything, which, again, I can only kind of relate this to myself and my own experience and situation, which, of course, most recently is with Mark. Um, he doesn't I don't understand this. I don't understand sharing passwords and having access to your partner's like everything. I just think that feels unnecessary and like there's some kind of lack of trust there. Uh, that's just my personal feeling. Like if I'm worried about what you're, who you're talking to on social media or what you're liking or looking at or who you're texting, then there's a deeper problem there. And Luckily for me, Mark doesn't have social media. I mean, he has an Instagram for his like woodworking, but I run that Instagram um, or did. So that's never really been uh, been a factor in our relationship, which I'm grateful for because I think sometimes as wonderful and necessary as social media is for a lot of reasons, it can be um, 
problematic in in relationships sometimes. Um, I don't know. Things can, you can look in somebody's phone or email. Things can be misconstrued. Like I just think that you're going down a dangerous road when you do that. So um, I find this strange. However, I understand that lots of people do in relationships do interact in this way. Uh, not for me. Here's exactly why. Uh, he changed the name associated with Mariah's contact information purposefully. So he had Mariah in his phone and they'd obviously been texting because they went out swimming and went out for burgers and stuff. But he changed her name to, you know, I don't know, to say Todd or something. Who knows what he changed it to, but he changed it to something so that if Caitlin went into his stuff, she would not know that it was another woman and not know that it was Mariah because she knew who Mariah was. Um, apparently Caitlin kept a close eye on his communications with other women, uh, allegedly sending him a text message containing an intimate photograph a woman sent him in private. So she came across a photograph in his phone or an email or social media, something that another woman had sent him. And then she like screenshot it and send it back to him to be like, who's this? What's this? Uh, Colin, while on the stand said that he, yes, he did have a brief relationship with Mariah, but it was very briefly romantic, mostly just a friendship. He testified that he loved Caitlin, but didn't know if the two would be able to make a long-term relationship work. Um, he broke up with her the first time cause he didn't think they had enough in common. And, uh, then he later asked her to stop competing at his races. Um, he had an issue with cheap clothes that she bought online um, he didn't like it when she showed her support by wearing identical outfits to the ones that the sponsors sent him. I guess that is a little creepy. Um, when he was asked why he had purchased Caitlyn a gun in 2021, Collins said that she was experiencing paranoia over a road rage incident and, and also concerned about the rising homeless population when she was bike riding solo. And that's why he got her a gun. Um, after Colin's second day uh, of testimony, he got so frustrated with a journalist asking him questions outside that he actually knocked the camera off the journalist's uh, shoulder. Um, there's also footage of him stepping on a different cameraman's foot, uh, who apparently filed a complaint with Austin police. Colin was not happy to be to be here and not happy to be testifying and put on the spot. That's for sure. Um, Austin Police Department Detective Richard, Richard Spitler also testified and said he pers pursued another one of um, Mariah's ex-boyfriends as someone who might be a person of interest. But he said that um, he said that he did this because everything about the scene where she was killed made it seem like a very personal homicide. And he said, quote, I wanted to try and track down anybody who had something personal with her, some sort of personal relationship. Um, the ex-boyfriend, though, that he he did look at briefly was able to provide flight information and receipts for a rental car that that put him more than 7,000 miles away during the time of her killing. Um, and I don't know if you remember, there was a uh, bicycle of Mariah's on the scene that apparently had been taken and police found it in, in some bushes nearby. They didn't know who had murdered her at this point. Um it just seemed weird. But later they did find some of Caitlin's DNA on that bicycle that they found in the bushes like down the road. Um, 
he did, uh, Detective Spitler did clear, eventually clear Colin, obviously before this trial and before they went and and took Caitlin, but he was also a person of interest for a while. Um, His cell phone records put him too far away uh, from the scene where Mariah was murdered. Uh, so he he did he wanted to make it clear that he did explore other people other potential people of interest, but he said that everything brought him back to Caitlin Armstrong. Uh, Caitlin Armstrong's good friend took the stand, Nicole Mertz. Um, she explained that Caitlin and Colin broke up and got back together all the time, um, and that when he was talking about Caitlin to people, he would say his lady friend. He would not say girlfriend. Um, she also heard Caitlin say multiple times that if she ever found out that Colin was dating another woman, she would absolutely kill her. So Nicole on the stand said, quote, my first thought was that Caitlin might have had something to do with it as soon as she found out about Mariah's killing. Um, she said, I do remember conversations with Caitlin where the words kill and gun were used, but it was not specific, I guess, to Mariah, at least the conversations that she, that she had with Caitlin. Um, <clears throat> and then one of Colin's friends took the stand, Jacqueline Chastine. Chastine? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Um, she was friends with Colin and, had, and then had eventually befriended Caitlin. Uh, Jacqueline said that Colin would openly talk about not having a girlfriend despite at the beginning of the relationship she witnessed him being head over heels with Caitlin but as the relationship went on when Caitlin wasn't around he said that he was single at a later date uh, Jacqueline was hanging out with Caitlin and she said that Caitlin described how Colin had cheated on her so Jacqueline is saying that Caitlin was well aware that Colin had cheated on her with um, Mariah. She said, Jacqueline said, quote, she had described how Colin had cheated, but while she was describing that, she had said in so many words that she wanted to kill her, that she had thought about it. But how she said it at the time, I didn't take it seriously. She said something to the effect that she had bought a gun. I don't know the words kill and the word gun were used, but I don't remember taking it seriously. Um... Jacqueline did contact the police after finding out about Mariah's death and told them about these remarks that Caitlin made. Um, It was initially she called anonymously and then she finally gave her name. Uh, Other things that came out during the trial, um, the detective Spitler told the court that there were more than two dozen search warrants that were served during this investigation uh, warrants on cell phone data, the actual devices, Google accounts, vehicles, residents, social media accounts. And you kind of don't think, I, I, I read that and I was like, I, I didn't think about that. I guess I think you get a warrant for somebody's house and you can kind of like, you, it's free for all. You can go into their computers, do whatever. But this makes it sound like you need a separate warrant um, for, for each thing that you're going to investigate uh, of someone's. Um, there was some information pulled from Caitlin's iCloud account that shows she deleted um, a note on May 12th, 2022. So that was just the day after the murder. And it wasn't clear everything that was in this note, but it did have an address near Caitlin Cash's house written down. Um, it also her Caitlin's iCloud account also showed that she searched 
for her name. She searched articles about Mariah's murder and about her escape. Um, She also searched when she was on the run, can pineapples burn your fingertips? And she also searched for rhinoplasty, so nose jobs in Costa Rica. Uh, emails obtained through search warrants show that Caitlin also created new accounts following the murder. Um, one account was one where she got an offer for $12,000 for her Jeep, which she sold. Um, and so that was, I mean, that is a very quick kind of, you know, overview of the trial, but, Uh, That was the trial, basically. And on just on November 17th, so we're looking about two months ago, Caitlin was sentenced by a jury to 90 years in prison after being found guilty of first-degree murder in the fatal shooting of 25-year-old Anna Mariah Moe Wilson. The jury also ordered her to pay a $10,000 fine, though I could not figure out what that fine was for. So... Caitlin Armstrong, the Costa Rican kind of escapee who got a nose job and all that. She is, yeah, she has been sentenced to prison. I do not know what prison she is being kept in right now, um, but if there are any more updates, I'll share that next time. And um, that, that's that. That's, that is a very brief, not super exciting true crime story. I just, truth, if I'm going to be completely transparent, I kind of wanted to, um, to see if I could keep it together for whatever this has been, 40 minutes of recording and and not thinking or talking about Mark or my breakup and just being able to focus on something else. I'm finding it hard to do that these days. Um, so I thought I would try with kind of a, a lighter story. And if I successfully made it through, then I will work on writing the next story and, and getting that recorded for next week. Um, I cannot promise that it will be me and Jenna. Uh, It might just be me. And I know that's less fun and less exciting and less banter. Um, But I am doing the best I can. And that is the best. That's it. That's the best I can do. Doing the best I can do. (laughs) Um, So uh, let's see. I I think that's it. I I did did have a lot of really... um, lovely messages and emails from people. Um, These were all prior to uh, my breakup. And I'm sorry, I was just looking at one that said, Dear Margo, Jenna, and sometimes Mark, I hope you are enjoying your trip to Belize. Um, Which is shocking to me that that was only, we just got back. Um the end of November. Just about six weeks. And it was so great. It was such a fantastic trip that it blows my mind that so much can change in six weeks. Um, Oh, God. I have so much more to say. (laughs) Today was a, a, a tough, yesterday was impossible. Today was better, but um, hard. But I'm trying to um, remember 
that I am strong enough to get through this and I'm trying to not go super negative and to stay positive. And for me, positive right now means thinking that we are going to figure this out and be better for it. And even when I say that, there's still, there's like a small part of my brain that's like, no, that rarely happens. But I have no idea. I've never really been through a breakup like this. Um, So I have no idea if that happens or not. I have to, in order to kind of wake up each day and be doing work, which I need to be doing, I have to tell myself that. And I have to believe that, that there is, uh, this is not the end. Don't miss what happens next in today's episode. We'll be right back after a short message from our sponsors. trying hard to, um, to talk myself up. <laughs> That's not something I'm, I'm very comfortable or familiar doing, but I, I spent a lot of time today trying to, to remind myself of, of all kinds of difficult, heartbreaking, not, not relationship heartbreaking, but, um, heartbreaking things in life and changes and disappointments and, um, rejections that I have made it through and often come out better the other end. So I am really trying hard to summon that inside of me and um, remind myself that I am strong enough to get through just about anything. It just feels real fucking shitty right now. It feels real shitty and real, um, it's hard to see the end right now, the end of this pain, whether it be that I, I move on and I am not in love with Mark anymore, or whether it be that we, come back together and have a better, stronger relationship, um, it's hard to see the end of this pain, but I am trying and I probably will continue recording these, well, not, this is not one of them, but recording these breakup episodes because they really do help me process and um, they keep me from, from impulsively texting, uh, Mark, <laughs> which I'm trying to, to not do at all right now. And it is very hard. It is weird to suddenly the person that you talk to multiple, multiple, multiple times a day and knew every in and out of your day. Okay. That was a lot of multiples, maybe not that many times a day, but <laughs> several times a day and knew, um, you know, whenever something happened, like today I was driving home from uh, my dog walk this morning and I saw this, um, I thought it was a dog. So I almost pulled over, but it was a coyote and he was so skinny and he was missing so much hair. And I immediately, like, I immediately started crying. I just can't, 
I know that's not a homeless animal, but any animal that looks like it is in pain or suffering or needs something, I can't, it immediately like crushes my heart. Um, like I don't have enough things that I'm crying about lately. I have to be crying over the coyote crossing the road, <laughs> but I did. And, um, and I immediately wanted to, 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 to text my, I almost did text Mark and be like, Oh my God, look at this guy. I tried to get a picture because we call Indiana a little coyote. She looks like a little coyote. Um, and I was like, this looks just like Indiana. I just want to take it home. I, I did not text him. I did not say that. I just kept it to myself. But it's a weird thing to kind of always have that person that you're sharing things with or funny little tidbits or whatnot. And then all of a sudden to not. And I'm great company, but it's not quite the same thing to, to experience these moments and have these things happen and not... Um, not have anybody to, to tell or not have the person that I want to tell available to tell. That makes sense. So, uh, I made it through most of this so well. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, I will continue leaving these as just kind of to be continued. The Mariah Wilson is long over, <laughs> um, so no more to be continued on that, but to be continued on um, if I can make it through one fucking podcast without crying right now, uh, I'm going to say no for now, but I'll keep trying and um, hopefully you will not get so annoyed that you give up and stop listening, I promise. We will be back to our regular programming at some point in the not too distant future. Um, and I thank all of you for for sticking with us, with me, and being patient and understanding uh, during this time. I feel like this is not the second time this has happened before it was Izzy. And that seems like a much more understandable um, or sympathetic reason, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's because I'm an animal lover than being broken up with or being dumped. But uh, nonetheless, I appreciate everyone who has continued to listen or is at least not listening, but patiently waiting for a normal episode to come out uh, and not judging my ongoing microphone sobbing that I've been doing. Uh, so Thank you, and breakups fucking suck. Breakups suck. But that's it. I'm going to leave it at that and say thank you. Please don't unsubscribe. <laughs> it will be back to normal soon. I, I have to believe that. So, okay, that's it. Bye, guys. Death by Southwest is hosted by Jenna Schneider and Margot Carmichael. Executive produced by Margot Carmichael. Produced by Jenna Schneider. Audio editing and sound design by Margot Carmichael. Music by Soundstripe. And a special thanks to Edward R. Murrow for letting us borrow his famous sign-off phrase, good night and good luck. Good night.